Uh, pick up your church Bibles and turn to page 610, 611 actually. Um, we're reading from, as Mary Law said, Psalm 107, and we'll pick it up at the 23rd verse through to verse 32. Page 611. Verse 23. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their pearl, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people. The second reading comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 4, from verse 35. You find it on page 1006 of the Church Bible. Page 1006, starting at verse 35. Jesus calms the storm. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as, as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and each asked the other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray as we get started. Jesus, thank you for this chance to meet again and to open your word. And we pray that we teach you about yourself this morning. Amen. Good morning. We're in Mark 
chapter 4, verses 35 to 41 this morning, which is on page 1006, if you've closed your Bible. As Charles mentioned, we've just started a new sermon series called Good News from Mark, and the title of, of this sermon is, Do You Still Have No Faith? Do You Still Have No Faith? Well, as, as we come into Mark, I want to mention just a couple of tiny little things about Mark. Uh, he is fast, fast-paced, and he is focused on this question about who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? A lot of the material from, from Mark probably came from Peter, and so we get a lot of Peter's fast-paced character, which we read about in the Gospels, coming through in, in Mark's Gospel. I love it. So... In the way that Mark would do, let's just dive in to this. Can you think back to a storm that you've been in, a storm of life? You might be in a storm right now. A time where something just went absolutely wrong, just completely pear-shaped. A problem, maybe it is at home, maybe it is in the family, maybe it is at work. And try as you might. You couldn't sort it out yourself. Think back to a storm. What did you do in that place? Who did you speak to in your storm? Who did you ask for help? How did you try to sort it out yourself? Well, let me tell you about a storm. Uh, Maybe it is a bit smaller than that, but a storm that I've been in. Back when I was at university, my dad and I decided to buy a K2 racing kayak. I don't know if you've seen these in the the Olympics. Two-man canoe, really fast, about about the width of my um, uh, legs. And uh, and dad and I would take it out onto Sunflay in Cape Town, which is a big lake just outside of Cape Town. And we got pretty good. As soon as we got to the point where we didn't fall out the other side when we got it on one side, um, we found that when we paddled it, it was actually pretty fast. And we absolutely loved this thing. And we'd be paddling all around the lake every weekend and getting fitter and stronger and better equipped to paddle it. We got to the stage where we thought we were turning into experts. So one day when over the weekend that we wanted to paddle, The wind had come up. We thought we'd go out anyway. Let's go out anyway. And so we did. We launched this kayak into the water, and we headed out into the middle of the lake. Now, one thing I need to tell you about this kayak is even though it is really well-equipped and really fast, the one thing that we didn't buy were skirts. I don't know if you've seen kayak in the the Olympics, but but the the paddlers have, have a skirt around their waist that attaches the paddler to the kayak so the water can't get in and our kayak didn't have skirts so as we headed out into the middle of the lake the water started laughing in as the wind got stronger and stronger and very soon our kayak was filling up with water and dad and I didn't know what to do we had semi been trained for this and all we knew we could do was pump the water out of our foot pumps and these um yeah and in the front you've got pedals for your feet and you've also got a foot pump uh, and, and when you pump with your foot pump, the water sort of sprays out o- over the side of the boat. And so we're pumping madly with our foot pumps, one in the back and one in the front. Uh, and we're paddling with all of our might to try and get to the other side uh, of the lake before our kayak turned into a submarine. 
but Dad and I realized that we weren't going to make it. We were going to turn into a submarine before we got to the other side. It was a pretty scary situation. But just imagine if my dad and I weren't able to swim. We would literally have been fighting for our lives out there. Well, we're in the hypothetical. Let's just go one step further. Just imagine it wasn't my dad in the back. Just imagine it was Jesus. Imagine at the bank, Jesus had said to me, Guy, do you mind if I jump into your kayak and you take me across the other side of the lake? And I'd said, Jesus, I'm pretty good at this kayaking thing. You jump in, you chill out, and I'll paddle you across the other side of the lake. So I'm paddling Jesus across the lake. And the wind comes up as we approach the middle of the lake. The waves rise again, and they're breaking into the boat. And I'm trained for this. I know what to do. I speed up with my rowing, with my paddling, and I'm I'm paddling frantically. I'm pumping with my foot to try and get the water out. But I realize we're turning into a submarine, and we're not going to get over to the other side of the lake. I can't swim, and I know Jesus can't swim either. And I'm really panicking. I'm I'm frightened. So I turn over to Jesus because there's a foot pump in the back there that Jesus can use to pump as well. I turn around to Jesus and Jesus is asleep in the boat when we're about to drown. And I can't believe it. And so I say to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? Don't you care that we're about to drown? Surely that's the obvious thing for me to say in that situation. Isn't it completely normal and natural for me to say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? Isn't that, isn't that the normal and natural thing to say? But you see, if I say that to Jesus, I'm deserving of the same rebuke that he gave to the disciples. If I say that to Jesus, I am deserving of the same rebuke that he gave, gave the disciples. Why do you have no faith? So my question this morning is why? Why am I deserving? What went wrong in this situation? What went wrong in this situation? And it's a bit like, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when the the Costa Concordia crashed off the coast of Italy and there was a massive investigation into, into what went wrong when that boat went down. And they had a look at the ship's log. Uh, they spoke to, to witnesses to find out what went wrong. We're going to do a similar thing in this text to try and work out what went wrong in this story. And the first question we need to ask is how did the disciples get themselves into this mess? How did the disciples get themselves into this mess? Well, if you, if you have a look at verse 1 of chapter 4, you'll see Jesus is teaching from a boat. Had been teaching from a boat. There's a a large crowd that gathered to listen to Jesus' teaching, and he decided to project his voice. It would be best for him to jump into a boat, push the boat slightly off the shore, and then he could teach the crowd from inside the boat. And we get a lot of detail coming through in Mark that doesn't come through in the other Gospels. We get get some detail of of, of the disciples taking him just as he was. Get, Get details of how the how the the waves were crashing over the boat. We get details of how Jesus was asleep on the cushion, on the sailor's cushion in the boat. And these details seem to have come from an eyewitness account. As I said, uh, Peter 
was probably a large contributory to, contributor to, to, the, to this gospel would have been with Mark when he wrote it. And it appears that Peter was probably one of those sailors in the boat. So you've got an eyewitness account from one of the sailors in the boat who knew how it felt. We know a little bit about this boat as well, so you can imagine it in, in your head. They've dug up boats like this recently from around Lake Galilee, and it probably would have been around 26 and a half foot long, decent size, seven and a half foot wide, uh, could contain about 15 people, and would take four rowers, two on either side. So that's the size of the boat we're talking about, so you can imagine it. Next, we see the squall coming up. Now, you need to know something about Lake Galilee, and that is that it lies about 700 feet below sea level. And up to the, to the northeast of Galilee, you've got Mount Hermon, which rises up to, to 9,200 feet above sea level. And with, with this massive height difference, I don't know if there geography is geographers in the room, uh, but you can imagine that there's going to be an exchange of air, especially in the late afternoon. We've got warm air uh, from, from Galilee that, that rises up and cold air from Mount Hermon that's coming down. And, and this creates um, quite violent winds. In, in Arabic, they're called the Sharkia, or the Shark, uh, which is this afternoon wind that comes up. This one is obviously much more violent uh, than, than usual. But the people who live and fish around Lake Galilee know Galilee, and they expect storms. They expect storms. And I wonder if we can learn something from them. In life, we also have similar conditions for storms. And we should expect them too. We know that it's not always going to be this way. In Revelation 21, 1, we're told that there's going to be no sea, and so there's going to be no storms in the future. Life's not going to be like it is now. But with life the way it is now, we should expect storms. Now, the disciples expected storms, and they were trained for storms. So they knew what to do in the case of a storm, and they had to row really hard. They had to bail water. They probably put their, their bow into the wind to stop the, the water lapping over into the boat. But we see everything that they did, they did in their own strength. Everything that they did, they did in their own strength. And as a result, when they found themselves failing, they got really fearful. Isn't it interesting that Jesus rebukes rebukes them for their lack of faith when he sees fear. And when he asked the question, what is the opposite of faith? What is the opposite of faith? I guess your answer would be doubt. But quite often in the Bible, the opposite of faith is in fact fear, and we see that in storms. So they turn to Jesus like I would have in the kayak and say, don't you care that we're about to drown? They're rebuking Jesus. Don't you care that we're about to drown? And we see a very similar thing happening when airplanes crash and they find the black box afterwards that records the pilot's last words, last moments. And I've been told that very often, almost more often than not, 
The pilot's last words there are aimed at God. And either the pilots thank God and ask for his help, or they curse God. And what we see in this passage is closer to the latter. I don't know if you noticed when we were reading Psalm 107, there's some lovely parallels between the psalm and our passage in Matthew. We've got the same storm situation with the storm coming up. We've got sailors staggering around uh, and, and they can't do anything for themselves. They come to their wit's end. And did you notice what they do? What they do? They call out to the Lord. In, in verse 28 of that psalm, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. Do you notice what the disciples do? in the storm. Have a look down. Do you see what they do? There's no evidence of the disciples calling out to God. These are men who, who love the Lord, who worship the Lord, yet they don't call out to the Lord in their, in, their, in their troubles. They try to do it in their own strength. So we're in a place to answer the first question. How did the disciples get themselves into this mess? Well, here's the answer. Even though they expected storms, they tried to face the storm in their own strength. They feared rather than having faith. And also they thought that Jesus didn't care about them. So we're up to our second question. Our second question, which is, as I said, is the one that Mark is very focused on in his Gospels. The question of, who is Jesus? Who is this man who's asleep in the boat? Well, first we notice that he is asleep. Isn't that absolutely amazing? I I love this. I absolutely love this. This is the only time in the Gospels that Jesus is mentioned to have slept, and it's during a storm. Isn't that incredible? You see, he's at complete peace in this place, in the storm. He knows he's not going to die in the storm, because in fact he knows he's going to die somewhere else, so he can't die in the storm. But he's at complete peace in the storm. And it shows an amazing contrast between him and the other disciples who are fearful. Now, you might say the disciples should have known a little bit about who Jesus, who Jesus is. They've seen his baptism. They've heard what God said of him, the Father said of him at his baptism. Um, they've seen him healing people. They've heard his teaching. They've heard him forgiving sins, which is something that only God can do. Surely that's enough of a hint of who he is. And they've even heard a demon who he drove out who said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. All this Mark records for us. They've seen all of this, and still they don't know who's in the boat with them. There's another, another lovely difference between Psalm 107 and our passage. I don't know if you noticed this one. Is that in Psalm 107, as I said, the sailors call out to God and ask him for help, and he stills the storm. In this passage, the disciples don't call out to God and ask him for help. But actually, no one calls out to God and asks for help. Because... Jesus is God, and therefore he calls out to the wind and the waves by his own authority 
and tells them to be quiet and still. Jesus plays the role of God in the Psalm 107 story because Jesus is God. God is in the boat. God is in the boat. And when the disciples start to grasp that near the end, in verse 41, that's why they get so frightened at the end of our passage. Jesus is the only one who has authority over the wind and the waves. He's the creator of the wind and the waves. He is the only one with authority to tell them to stop. God is the only one with authority to tell them to stop, tell them to be quiet. And it is therefore, um, yeah, it is therefore the disciples realize um, that something, something incredible is happening at this time. So who is Jesus? Jesus is God, the one with the power over the storm. And he is the one who is in control of the situation. But you might get to the stage where where you say, okay, I understand that Jesus is God, that he's in the boat, he's there with me. Uh, The disciples could say this, but he's asleep. What is the good of having God in the boat when he's fast asleep? What good is he doing? He's asleep in the boat. Well, this same question would have been asked by many of, of the original readers of this gospel. I've mentioned Peter, who's in Rome at the time, and there's a huge persecution that was breaking out at that very time against Christians in Rome. Emperor Nero was, was in control, and between AD 64 and 68, uh, he went on a rampage, and many, many Christians who would have read this gospel, in fact, were very close to to losing their lives, and and many of them did. And therefore, this gospel is partly written to say to them, Jesus is God, and he cares for you. In your storm, in the situation that he's in, he cares for you. And Mark unpacks it right from the beginning. In the end, we see this question of, so, so Jesus is asked, do you care that we're about to die? Do you care that we're going to die? Mark's answer in the gospel and Jesus' answer is, I care so much that I'm going to take your place and die on your behalf. I care enough to take your place and die on your behalf to save you. Does Jesus care? Yes, he cares enough to give his own life. Okay, at this stage we need to go back to the kayak, but we've got a different perspective on it now. So I'm paddling in the kayak, I've got Jesus in the boat, in the back of the boat, the storm comes up, the wind and the waves come up, and he's asleep. I realize that this is a perilous situation. Put yourself in my shoes. You realize this is a perilous situation. You turn around to Jesus. What do you say to him? You know that you've got God in the boat who's in control of the storm. The God who made the wind and the waves. And a God who cares for you enough to die in your place. What do you say to him? 
You see, life is, is messy. It's full of storms. And we need to expect them. And when we face them, don't face them alone. Face them with a God who is in control, who cares for you. And if you're in the place where, where you say, I don't really know Jesus. I don't know him as God. Well, I'd really encourage you to read through Mark's gospel. It doesn't take long. It takes about two hours. And it's written for people asking that question, who is Jesus? Do you know that Jesus cares for you? Do you know that he cares for you? If you're in a storm at the moment and you feel like you can't really believe that he does care for you, I'd encourage you to, to come up with some prayer afterwards. There'll be um, people praying over here. Um, please come. Or you can ask uh, one of the leaders as well to, to pray for you, a friend to pray for you. Please know that Jesus does care for you in your storm. So let's quickly pray as, as we end. Jesus, we are sorry when we get into a mess and try to get out of it in our own strength. Thank you that you are God, creator and Lord over the wind and the waves, that you are in control. Thank you that you care for us enough to die in our place. And I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to trust you in our storms and in our lives. Amen. Thank you, Guy.